Turn my phone off. Good job then. Not let anyone ever phone. Welcome to the 128th edition of the Guna Podcast. This is your host, David Udo, and we're recording on the Wednesday evening after Arsenal defeated Newcastle United 3-0, with the final home match of the season being the visit of West Brom ahead of us next Sunday. Originally, we were going to be gathered here on Monday evening, although Sky Sports' decision to move the Newcastle game put paid to that. So, let's start with the panel introductions. And let me say that these people have battled through a tube stride to be here, so our thanks for making it on an evening when getting around London is far from simple. <laughs> First up... He's loved by some and loathed by others. He might have feared an inevitable springtime collapse for Arsenal this season, but always lived in the hope that it wasn't going to happen. However, he is no longer in denial and is here to discuss how we might improve next time out. Due to transport problems, it's a second panel appearance in a row for the editor of the Guna, Mr Kevin Witcher. Hello everybody. Next, one of the original podcast panellists from way back in 2007 when we started this lengthy journey. If, by some slim chance, you hear of a spare cup final ticket, he'd be a very willing recipient. And trust me, you would live the game sitting next to this man. Publisher of the Hampstead Village Voice, but currently marooned on the wrong side of the Finchley Road, it's a very good evening to Mr Mustafa Goldstein. Hello. And last, but by no means least, a returning guest who last appeared about three months ago. Author of Theatre of Silence, a book about how football fans have been the ones that have suffered the most with the influx of money into the game, he's generally a protesting voice from the outside, rarely attending Arsenal matches in person these, uh, these days, in spite of being a supporter of our team, if not the club. He's also a regular contributor to the Guna website. His presence means that we are three individuals who are authors on the panel this evening, if we can say that Mustafa's Hampstead Faces coffee table number was authored by anyone. It's a warm welcome back to Mr Matthew Basil. Hi everyone. So, let's start with news of a planned protest against the board in relation to the 3% ticket price rises planned for this Sunday at 12.30, uh, which is taking place on the Bear Roundabout outside the Armoury. Uh, Matt, you are going to be joining the protesters, so please tell the listeners why they should join you. Why they should join in? Well, if, if they're upset at the at the, <coughs> the, the, the amount of money they're charged to, just to watch a game of football, mm. then they definitely should join us. I mean, if not now, then when? It's something that we. I'm talking to someone who's I'm 37 years old. It's my generation. It's our fault because we let it go for so many years. We should, we should have been doing this from say 15 years ago. We let it go, didn't we? So it's my, my, my generation is, is is to blame for that. Um, but at some point we have to do something. And um, we've got seven games this season have carried a minimum pricing structure of 62 pounds. It's completely. Unacce I say unacceptable, but obviously it's acceptable enough for those games to be get sold out, which they do. Those are the Category A games. The Category A games, seven, seven games a season. Um, obviously, you know, the, top the Tottenham FA Cup game was the Category A game, which I thought was despicable because that was an FA Cup game and it should have been, been a Grade B game. Um, it does price people out. I mean, I, I was going to go to that game. I was going to come out of retirement for the Tottenham FA Cup game because it was <coughs> that's never happened before uh, since I've been supporting Arsenal. Someone offered me a ticket in the region of £80, and it's just, it was too much. So it is literally pricing people out. So what's going to happen? Uh, yeah, there's a, from what I understand, there's a gathering at 12.30 at the Bay Roundabout, and I think after that, maybe one o'clock, I think they're going to move up to the director's entrance, like they did against Manchester City. There was a protest last month against Manchester City. There was only about 50 to 100 uh, people there, but it was actually... It was 50 very vocal people there, and it did. It's really, really stirred mm. everyone <coughs> up there. It was, it, they, were, they were very shocked by that. The people, the, all the people inside the director's entrance. Mm. So, I mean, if there was, a, if there's a good turnout on Saturday, I think, it, sorry, Sunday. Mm. I, I don't know what it could just. It might just be ten of us here. But you know, who knows? It, it's 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 fully understandable. I mean, Kev, I remember you and me. We were at um, some pre-Christmas drinks with Ivan and, and Sir Chips Keswick, that kind of thing, and everything was fine on, on the Monday, and no mention was made of anything. Then after giving us um, a free, very small glass of red wine each on the Monday, by the Wednesday, I think it was announced that our tickets were going up three percent long before the season was close to over. So you can kind of see the thing behind this, can't you, Kev? In terms of protesting, of course. Mm. I mean, it's, it's obviously ridiculous. I mean, for one thing, the club aren't going to do anything with the money. <laughs> they don't need it. I mean, no. there's no issue there. It's not like this is going to push us over the line. We've got over 100 million doing absolutely FA in the bank. Mm -hmm. 
They do not need the whatever three million, maybe I don't know what I this is going to generate. It's calculated about two point eight million or something, something like that. But that could be the increase in Wenger's wages, and that's the way they look at things. <laughs> that could be. I mean, if say Wenger signs a contract, they could be thinking, well, let's give him. An, uh, that could be his. You know, you don't sign a contract without getting an increase. In, in, mm. I'm, not, I'm not using this as a. As a I'm just looking at reasons why they may do that. Sure. I mean, from what we understand, it was they were trying to get an eight percent rise, yeah. and uh, Bloody hell. So, yeah. So Chips Keswick of Peckham, is it? Uh, That's Lord so. Harris of Peckham. Lord, oh, well, like, okay. well, it was they persuaded um, the American Cronky to p- keep it down to three percent, but it's st- even if it was a. Uh, a, a no ticket price rise these prices are still for, for grade A games anyway which are important that's, that's seven games this year no, there's, there's, no, there's no issue about it mm. the, the club are well funded by now especially by sponsorship and television um, they don't need to actually squeeze the supporters for every penny but they know that they can and that's the issue this is purely business Mm. This is not a football club anymore. That that has gone. This is this is a money making exercise, and there is money there to be made. The only reason that Cronkey's desire to increase the ticket prices by nine percent w- didn't go through was because of the absolute PR disaster that mm. would have been. Three percent is still bad. That's inflation, apparently. And the reason people should join this protest is because it is bad PR for the club. Mm-hmm. The intention now is to do 3% every year on an annual basis. So if enough of a stink is made about this rise, it might just make them think twice about the next rise. So what we need is a lot of PR around this protest. I think it's already been pretty well publicised, but obviously the more the merrier. The more people turn up, the better. If you're not happy with paying extra money or even what you're paying now to watch the football team, you should join up with these guys, sing your hearts out about how unhappy you are, and get as much media attention as possible. Bad PR for Arsenal, it may have effect in the future. Matt, you're itching. Yeah, I just want to talk about the inflation uh, thing. Mm. That if football clubs ever talk about inflation, uh, if, if only football had gone up with inflation. Yeah, indeed. It, if it did. Like if football had just had mirrored inflation in the last thirty years, well, ticket would be the price of a pint of beer. Exactly, exactly. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and literally, that's what people people think you're joking there, but literally, be the price of a pint of beer because it, in the thirty year, I worked it out, it would be about five pounds, six pounds. Well, I remember, I'm old enough years. to remember a beer being uh, about, <coughs> I think, about a pound, and it was, it was, it, there was a point where the the price of the ticket and the beer. Separated because um, mm. there was a similarity <laughs> at one point. But um, do you yeah. think that football and cinema tickets used to mirror each other? Like this, how much you'd pay to get to a cinema was relatively similar to what you'd pay to get into. Yeah, it was. It was actually. Yeah, I think it was about. I, I can't remember. God, do you know what? I can't remember what it was. To the Hampstead I Classic. I think it was. It was. But it was pennies anyway. The difference now is that the reason that they charge so much is because they market it as entertainment. Uh, and if you market it, they say people say oh, it's like going to a theatre show. Well, I say it's completely opposite to going to a theatre show because theatre shows are tried and tested mm. entertainment. Yeah. yeah, you don't know what's going to happen. You don't in a football match. Exactly. Right? No, you go to look at some of the great A games you've had this year. In hindsight, would you have paid a foot more than a fiver to watch Chelsea Arsenal? If Cazorla was in the national ballet, right, and he <laughs> gave the ball away as many times as he did against Newcastle, he would not be there. So, mm. so those people, they pay to have every foot in the right place all yeah. the time and you can't do that with football and you've got the Manchester United game 0-0 would you in hindsight how much would you have paid to, to watch that game it was a dreadful game I, just, you know, I mean people can blame the weather but I deserve yeah. a, a two third refund absolutely and if a, a theatre show which people like to compare football with offered that kind of uh, level of entertainment it would be one week before that or what, two days before that show is off the West End with the West End I think that it's getting incredibly expensive in the West End shows as well. I'd say that's a rip-off now mm. these days too, but they are tried and tested forms of entertainment. You know you're going to get something good. Ladies and gents, if any of you are listening and uh, you're not doing anything that urgent before the game and you're going on Sunday, please turn up. I know that I will for a, tr- for a start. I mean, gents, our, our discussion so far has made it clear that this is a protest against the board and not the manager. And we imagine he had little to do with the decision to increase prizes. However... Fan disaffection with Arsene Wenger was quite clearly expressed at the recent Wembley semi-final. Um, 
when um, it was when uh, the substitution happened and it has to be Sonogo he's done fuck all the entire game and then lo and behold we took the 112 caps at the age of 27 years old uh, German centre forward Lucas Podolski off I mean can we expect to see more of this if Wenger remains in place or indeed at the final itself if things aren't going well anyone fancy that well I, I, I might be living in uh, cloud cuckoo land but um, I'm hopeful that because of Ozil joining I'm, I feel that maybe Wenger will at last and Arsenal will at last this summer seriously invest in players um, maybe I am living in cloud cuckoo land but as it has been pointed out there is a, what is it 100 million in the bank or whatever um, for me it just seems like the only logical way forward now we've actually got and you see it with Rambo and, and Ozil coming back we've got a football team again you know some if, yeah, even the ITV commentator or the Sky commentator, I watched I watch the Newcastle game on uh, very bad internet from Berlin because I was out there, and um, unfortunately, and, and the, even the, even the, the Sky commentator, and I do not like Sky commentators, but he said, "God, if, if Rambo and um, and Özil had been had not had this break, Arsenal would be top of the league or something like that." Now, we, we, it's strength in depth. You know, we need, I, 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 in my personal opinion, is um, Casserole, as my girlfriend calls him, Cazorla. I know he's very popular, and I'm so grateful for him for scoring that penalty in the semi-final. And I, I do like him, but I don't think he's the world-class player. Him and Arteta, you know, the two Spani Spanish players who don't get into the Spanish team, or the Spanish 22, they're not going to Brazil, as far as I know. Um, we want the people who are going to Brazil. If we're going to challenge Chelsea and City, and believe it or not, Liverpool, um, then uh, we're going to, we're, we are going to need to spend some on Dulics and get some... So well, I don't think Wenger's got a choice, really. I, 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 it would just be... Maybe I'm being an idiot, because maybe because it's been proven year in, year out that he scrimps and saves and he, buys kids. There was a um, press conference two weeks ago when Wenger said that the most important thing is keeping the current squad together. Well, uh, I, 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 I beg to differ as far as one or two players are concerned. I, th I think that we need to bolster... Up, we can upgrade two or three of those players. I mean, Sonogo m might be a great player in the future, but from what I've seen, has he scored a goal for Arsenal no. in battle? No. no. What is he doing playing against Bayern Munich and in the semi-final of the... It's unthinkable. It's ridiculous. You know, and Podolsky's coming off. No wonder he kicked a bottle. You know. There's a brilliant article in the current issue of the Guna confirming that 10 players are believed in the first team squad, David Udo or something like that. It's very well written. Um, so he does need to spend money in the summer. But regards to that, Kev, um, if, say, I don't know, it's nil-nil or worse than that after 70 minutes and Podolsky is taken off because he can very rarely do his, his 90 minutes and someone else goes on, are we going to turn around and boo our manager again? Well, what's interesting about it is that um, it was a cup semi-final and... Uh, such a large number of people were involved in booing the Arsenal manager. And to me, that indicated that the tide of opinion has turned. Mm. And I think that's as a consequence of those away defeats that we've seen this season against the top teams. I think people um, have lost faith. The people that used to have faith in it, I mean, some of us haven't for a while now, but only, only recently a lot of others have sort of crossed the line and thought, well, actually... This guy hasn't got it anymore. And so I think what's happened is the substitutions can give um, the opportunity for disaffection to come out in a way that people won't yet start chanting the likes of Wenger out very much. But if a substitution is made, or maybe the team fall behind... For some trigger moment, then you might get a chance of you don't know what you're doing and all that sort of thing. Um, we had that once two years ago when Oxlade Chamberlain was pulled off um, mm. in his debut. Yes, so I mean that was obviously a blatant. I think the way support is very uh, divided these days. Someone said it's when you go to an away. I've not been to a, a, an away game in attendance for a long time, but they say that there's a real almost nasty divide amongst the away supporters at the moment because the half of the away fans are really staunch Wenger right can do no wrong we'll be losing 5-0 and they'll be singing there's only one Arsene Wenger and it gets very confrontational that's what I'm hearing there, there's a lot of fights broken out mm. home and away mm. over the last <laughs> couple of seasons because of the Wenger issue and um, 
Yeah, I, I, I completely think that if Arsenal are not doing well in the cup final, then the fans will turn. Mm. Well, we need to get whatever we do. The, the old saying, Victoria Concordia Crescent, that used to be under our lovely old That's history badge. now. That's history now, but it still says it somewhere in the, on the well, first should, floor. Well, it should come back. But the only way it's going to come back is now if we move on yeah. and we can all get behind a new man. Because... Yeah. Arson has queered his patch a little bit too much now yeah. with repeated mistakes which have led to greater humiliations. I mean, it's one thing being 4-2 up to Spurs and drawing 4-4 um, when you can see two goals in injury time. Mm -hmm. It's another being beaten 6-0 by Chelsea. Yeah. I mean, come on. And, and Man City and, and, and also losing away to Man United when... To be honest with you, that, that they, they've not had a good season, Man United. Oh, I mean, they were there for the taking, you know, and we didn't, um, you know. And then we get we get a draw at home. It's uh, the, us and Liverpool, you know, that being destroyed by Liverpool, mm. um, unthinkable, really. So, and it did show up, you know, against Bayern Munich as well. Any big team, hard worth its. Yeah, so, we're quite easy to work out and stop. We're flat-track bullies, aren't um, we, really? I mean, that's why Arsenal are doing so well in, in, in the league, because they can consistently beat teams they should. Yep. But when it comes to a team which basically are on either the same level or slightly better, uh, we're no longer able to outwit these teams now. It's like a boxer. It's like that Frank Bruno sort of thing. Frank yeah, Bruno, yeah. Frank Bruno would beat that journeyman. Mm -hmm. beat the journeyman but when he, he, he took that, 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 that step, slight step up Tyson you, yeah. couldn't, you, you couldn't beat a Tyson or a Tim Willerspoon or anything it's, only quite, quite sim it's such a divisive issue just look on the online Guna Kevin every day is just constant constant arguing between um, I think the majority which are that would, would like to see a change and a really really vocal sizeable minority mm -hmm. size, not a small minority a sizeable minority and it's so divisive. It's, but I think the problem is there is this messiah complex over Wenger amongst people who um, support him. It, it, there is a messiah. Well, he got off to a good start, didn't he? He got off, <laughs> and he did. And up to two thousand and six, I, 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 I think the job he did between nineteen ninety six and two thousand and six was an incredible job. Um, I think he got found out in the Champions League every, pretty much every year up to 2006. Although we have consistently um, been in it. Not that I think we, we, being yeah, fourth have. should be to be applauded. He should have been sacked in 2009 after not fielding Arshavin in the FA Cup semi-final. Oh, God, yeah. Losing to Manchester United so badly in the Champions League semi-final. And then just afterwards, losing at home to Chelsea something like 4-1. Yeah. I can't remember the exact yeah, score, but it was a series, a series of hammer blows, and I just thought <coughs> we, we're actually slipping away here. As, as, mu yeah. as much as I admired Wenger up until, I mean, I was questioning in 19, sorry, 2007, 2000, season after we'd been in the Champions League final, because I thought that was the time to push. When we got to the final in 2006, I thought that was the time to push on. We'd given such, such an incredible step, Wenger was the one who took us to that status and he deserves all the credit in the world for that he took us to that status we were in the Champions League finally in the Champions League final for the first time ever and instead of building on that we went the complete opposite and he started putting his faith in, in players who I thought at the time I didn't think these aren't up to standard yeah but people everyone was saying no 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 just give it a couple of years give it a couple he of years he sold off the Invincibles too early yeah um, he should have just <coughs> I mean, there's some of them he should have held on to because of what they could pass on to the younger players he wanted to bring through. Mm. But he was so obsessed by this youth project mm. that he just cast aside the Invincibles. Yeah. So by the end of 2008, I think it was just Colo Torre, more or less, that was left. Um, <laughs> the wrong Invincible. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> He's gotten a lot of weight at that point, I uh, seem to remember. But, you know, I mean, but th th these players should have been retained a couple more years. Someone like Robert Perez yeah. Yeah, could definitely. have been a camp type that played, maybe. Mm. He might have only started 10, 15 games a season. He might have come on a sub in another 10. But just being around... Um, you know, you, you can you can use those sort of players. I mean, if you look at someone like Giggs at Manchester United, I mean, he's, what is he now? Forty. Right. Okay. So he's now finished playing. I think we could probably. He's still a registered player this season. Yeah, but okay. So he's yeah. reached fourteen. All right. Let's say, for the sake of argument, the last seven years, he probably hasn't been a first choice player. No. No. And yet, 
I'm sure he's had a contribution to make in oh, that yeah. dressing room. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. And on the pitch as well. So, you know, just because someone isn't going to be a guaranteed starter doesn't mean you need to get rid of them. No. Mm-hmm. And that's the problem at not if Not if they're going to give the dressing room a sense of stability, optimism, strength, and, and, and that assuredness. That, I mean, you felt, feel it a bit when, you know, Ozil and Ramsey were back. Suddenly there was, OK, we can, we can actually create something now mm. because we've got some class on the pitch. You know, and when they, when they weren't there, I mean, I do feel like, sorry to Kazola bash, but I do feel like he doesn't have the confidence. He, it's like, you know, he's just, um, it's funny, watching Ribéry yesterday when oh, yeah. Bayern Munich got smashed to pieces by Real Madrid. Ribéry reminded me that he just didn't have, he, he, he looked completely ineffective. I just, I just thought, I wouldn't want him on my side. He didn't know where to go with the ball, he was being pushed off, he was just like, you know. He's like Sol Campbell and Sammy Nasri, he plays for himself. Yeah, but I feel Cazorla has flashes of brilliance and then nothing, for, mm. you know, uh, and gives the ball away much too cheaply, much too often, and turns an attack into defence um, when he doesn't need to. He just hangs on to it that little bit more because he, he wants he to show a, what he can do. He has a tendency, tendency to give the ball away in his own half, which yeah. sometimes does lead to goals against us. Um, and he hangs on to it too long he, when there's a, he's a, a had, he's, had, he's had good moments as well. He's had great moments, I mean, but I think, moments. Yeah, I mean, that's... I, I take your point. Basically, there's too many errors in this game, mm. certainly this last few months. Um, but I do still think he's a decent player, and I certainly wouldn't get rid of him. No, no squad um, player, but I, I wouldn't have him. On, I, I wouldn't want him as first choice, first eleven. You know, and actually, I mean, if Walcott was fit and if Wilshire was fit, maybe that it wouldn't be that way. I don't know, but I think we we do need to. But clearly, we need to. To have a squad the size of Cities and Chelsea's, if we're going to oh, qualify. If, if Wenger's already given a press conference a couple of a weeks ago saying we're not going to, uh, we want to. The main thing is to keep the current squad together. That indicates he will sign a contract, doesn't it? Because if he's talking about the future, mm. he probably will sign a contract. He probably will be here, um, be here next season, and, and I think he'll be. I think he'll be at Arsenal in some capacity for the mm. next 10, 20 years. Look, 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 we'll come back to Wenger very shortly. I mean, let's face it, it's the, the giant elephant in this room. But going back um, to the semi-final, let, let's discuss the game itself against, against Wigan, um, where Arsenal made very hard work of getting through, but won on penalties against a shit little rugby league city <laughs> from the north of England. Does it all go well for the final? Basti, what are you thinking? Well, it, it, are you kind of dreading it being nil-nil or even worse than that no, after 70 minutes? No, because, I, I mean, assuming Ramsey and uh, Ozil are fit, and assuming, uh, I don't like assuming things like that, but assuming we have the team now fit and available, because looking at that Newcastle team, suddenly there were people coming off the bench like Flamini, people who thought, oh great, you know, mm. we've got actual players actual coming subs, yeah. subs, yeah. subs who you say, okay, they're going to think, oh shit, there's a real footballer coming on. So as long as we've got, as, as long as, you know, uh, we've only got two injuries out of the whole squad, then um, so I think we'd, you know, please God, it's the FA Cup, so I don't want to predict anything, but let's, it would be a bit of a shocker really, wouldn't it? I let's, studied the opposition last Saturday because I went to Fulham v Hull City. I got, and uh, I'm not that worried about them. I think they're a good, a good team. I think a good, a good football team, Hull City. But I think they suit our style. I don't I think they don't think they're fast enough for us. I think no. we'll outplay them in, in midfield. I think, yeah, compared to, I think the battle will be won in midfield. And I think Ramsey will do what he's done to him twice this season already. And I think, I think the game will be won by. By that Ramsey influence, they're a good team. Now, don't forget they've Shane Long and Yelovich are both cup tied. So, yeah. so you're looking at what's, what's his name, Sagbo. Yes, up front. I think it'd be a tough game, but I, I, I can't. From what I saw last week, I'd be amazed if we didn't win the final. Kev, we should destroy um, some shit who we just beat three 0 on their own turf, shouldn't we? Should yes. Yeah. I mean, we, we we certainly did take them apart uh, on their own ground very recently. Um, but you know, cup finals—it's <laughs> just anything can happen. Well, I'm a bit Ipswich West Ham. Yeah, uh, I mean, you know, I remember Wimbledon beating Liverpool. That should never have happened. No, absolutely. Well, let's not mention team. Birmingham. Well, yeah. yeah. So I mean, you, you never take it for granted. No. But I mean, the main thing is that the team do not go into the game thinking they've won it. Don't walk on the pitch with high heels, as my girlfriend says. <laughs> That's a very good analogy, and we have been guilty of that many a time. Mm. Um, certainly home matches um, sometimes even away matches and the occasional Wembley appearance as well um, but couldn't it be say that um, we spent most of spring coming out in, into games with look on our faces to say don't fuck it up don't fuck it up and that's what we did in the semi-final you know just, just don't fuck it up and we get too nervous 
Yes, I think that there is danger. Though. We were yeah. so nervous in the semi-final. At one point, I was—I mean, we were sitting there. Just—I was thinking. I was, by the way, I was glad, so happy. I've had one day at Wembley because I doubt very much I'll be, unless some miracle happens, going go, having. But it, it, it sort of felt like for me, you know, as a fan, to actually have that day at Wembley was great. But the, on the pitch, my God, I mean, it, that you know. I was pretty convinced, actually, that mm. we were not going to the final. I thought, it was, I thought we were going to lose one nil. Yeah, it point. really looked like that, didn't it? Um, well, you certainly, uh, you, you were very nervous until we got the equaliser, yeah. Mm. Um, you didn't see where it could come from, in a way, because we were just so ineffective. Um, but fortunately, you know, we got the break. Big um, fucking German. <laughs> We've got a big fucking German. Uh, was that a set piece? No, um... Kind of, it came out to Gibbs who put it back in, that's and Marasaka right, yeah, threw himself. Yeah. In the I mean, that, that's the one thing that I, I really took from the uh, the Newcastle game, that, that Koscielny yeah. goal. Yeah, I mean, we often get free kicks in that sort of territory and play it at two yards, of course we do. so the tick attacker can continue. But really, when you've got centre backs and you've got someone who can deliver a good ball. It's a great opportunity. Wasn't um, it for Marlin who delivered that ball, it, actually, it, wasn't it? I can't no, remember. No, it was Gibbs who put it back in in the semi-final. Oh, well, wasn't it? Oh, I'm mixing it up with another ball, but anyway. Does he play Sonogo up front for the FA Cup? Well, I well, mean, this is, this is an interesting question. No, please, no! One, I'll give you this completely left-field one. I could just see it happening. <laughs> Go on. The RB makes his return. No! Yes. Oh. <laughs> well, weirdly and, and unfortunately quite good uh, in the sense that he made his comeback against Chelsea under-19s uh, last week. He did well. His, uh, his anterior cruciate ligament's fine, but he's torn his groin. So do you <laughs> think there's any possibility? <laughs> Apparently it's medically impossible. Right. Okay. Uh, but, you know... But we'll, Can you imagine we'll he starts see. with Diaby and Sonogo? <laughs> Let's and, and, and you know and has Podolski. And, I, I uh, think he will start as rude. I really do. He, he has to, doesn't he? Yeah. Matt? He surely has to. I, I would start. I would like to see him start with Podolski. Podolski's got to play one goal, one chance. Sorry, one chance, one goal. Mm. Two chances, two goals. Look at the whole City game. I think Podolski is, is far more clinical mm. than uh, than Julia. I think there's an argument for playing Podolski up front. Uh, the thing is, with oh. Podolski is. Uh, oh, Having had the honour of meeting the man, um, oh yeah, you know, which I thought I brought up in the last podcast or the one before. I've lost track of the Arsenal players. Yeah, but anyway, uh, but I, I, I made the point to him saying that I hope you get picked more because you know where the back of the net is, and he does. He does know he where does, the back of the net is. He just goes and no back lift, just get it in the you know, and and that's something that I think though as long as you've got Ramsey and Özil, and we can Özil's had a dodgy sort of season in a way, but. He he knows how to put that, that cross to Giroud for the header. Perfect. You know, I mean, he he makes goals. He is a goal maker, yeah. and uh, I think he'll relish a day at Wembley. And I think he'll he'll put it on whoever you get up there. He's going to put it on a tee for them. Um, why not? Actually, like the semi final, if all goes wrong, switch to a four four two and have Podolski and Giroud tearing them up t- yeah. to pieces. Yeah, if we did that in September, we'd probably still be top of the fucking league. But you know, <laughs> things don't happen that you want them. The, the other big selection question is who do we think is going to start in goal at Wembley? Is, is Wenger going to be very generous as he has been in the past, giving Mart Poom a token, token game at the end of the season away at Portsmouth just for the sake of getting one? Or bringing, bringing when he brought Stuart Taylor on home to Everton for his tenth appearance? I don't even remember Mark. Poom. I remember Mark Poom. Oh, no, nobody went to Fran Park that day. I don't remember him being I remember Mark Poom. 2014. I remember who he was, but I don't remember him playing a game for us. Oh, he, 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 yeah, he, he, played, played, he played one game. Yeah, he came yeah. Like, No, no, but he started later. away at Portsmouth. No, it's going to be Fabianski, isn't it? Because Fabianski's the, the cup goalkeeper. Even though Wenger's a spiteful git when he wants to be, and he knows that Fabianski wants out. Mm, <laughs> 2002, <laughs> FA Cup final. Every round before. Oh, Ricky Wright. Richard Wright was the goalkeeper. Do you remember, uh, Jim Layton played a game once, didn't he? Jim Layton joined Arsenal. Uh, no, that was a testimonial. He didn't <laughs> no, he was, on, he was on a book. He was, he was, yeah, he was oh, no, no, he was on the books, yeah. but he didn't David play a David O'Leary's testimonial. He did not play a competitive game. Oh. Anyway, there's nothing to do with the cup final. David O'Leary's cup, testimonial. The, yes. The cup final issue is basically whether Wenger remains loyal to Fabianski, who's played in every round, or he brings in Chesney for the final. Or there's always Jeff Barnett. Um, well, Bob Wilson was injured, so yeah, <laughs> stop sidetracking, Basti. Chesney's been our 
number one choice or is it three years? Well, my three? belief is because Fabianski is going, there's no reason for Wenger to worry about upsetting his feelings. Chesney is Wenger's long-term plan. Mm -hmm. So my feeling is that because of that, he will play Chesney. So what was the Richard Wright thing? Uh, because he had that disastrous November and scored an own goal one game over nightmare. And um, just uh, the, the, the day before that, he played two games in two days. Wenger had already accepted the bid from David Moyes at Everton uh, and decided, I'll let you have the semi-final, but you won't be here next year. So I don't know the timing of the Richard Wright bid. I have no idea okay. whether or not that was known before. Perhaps Wenger had decided that he was going to let him go. Mm. Um, which I think was harsh because I, I thought it's perfectly decent keeper myself. I agree. Um, I do think, um, given the choice myself, goalkeeper wise, I would. I, I, the one thing about Fabianski that worries me, I think he's a good goalkeeper, but when he's got the ball and he panics as to where distribution wise. Uh, I, I prefer Chesney because Chesney just is a lit that I think, I think the words devil and deep blue sea Seriously? come to mind oh. <laughs> well he guaranteed a calamity of some description with both well, that's with true. Chesney yeah. it is distribution yeah. with Fabianski it's the one ball he will come for which he will miss completely in every game <laughs> and what happens afterwards sometimes you'll get away with it sometimes you let's won't let's hope the ball's up the other end of the pitch what, oh. we, what I think we need is a, is a damn decent keeper to be signed in the summer once Fabianski does depart who's going to keep Chesney on, on his toes yeah I think, Ch well, I think Chesney has come a long way since Chesney has few... improved and he's made some fantastic saves mm. but there is still moments of madness yeah. he's still a 22 year old goalkeeper and Joe Hart seems relatively young but he's 27 so give Chesney five years time he might be better but in one word from my, from my left to right who's in goal surname only Matt Chesney Chesney Chesa well, I think Fabianski will play. <laughs> You're probably right. Well, he has said he'll stick with him the whole way. Yeah. He's got a sort of unwritten contract. Well, uh, well, Fabianski is allowed to sign a pre-contract now with any club outside of England he hasn't done, so maybe he's not in demand, and if he will take a one-year renewal on half his money... Maybe we'll sure keep him happy. Yeah. But we'll see, we'll see. Anyway, going back to what we got away from uh, about five minutes ago... What are the current feelings about the likelihood of our manager remaining? Uh, a two-year deal is reputedly on the table, and if you believe some, has already been signed but not being revealed. Would Arsene Wenger stay if his team failed to win the FA Cup? Basti. If they fail to win the FA Cup, um, God. Uh, 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 why are you asking me? I, I really don't know, to be honest mm. with you. Um, I think he'll find it very... Uh, at this point now expectations lead to resentment as the old saying goes and unfortunately a lot of people do expect now us to win the FA Cup mm. if that went tits up I think it would be very hard for um, Wenger it would be untenable I think is the word um, because if we, the thing is there'll be a lot of anti-Wengers out there all going if we are oh God you know if he wins the FA Cup that's it everyone will be singing Arsene Wenger's magic we're stuck with him forever you know like we have had with players in the past uh, that, but uh, listen ultimately he's the Arsenal manager I like him I do like Wenger I've always liked Wenger I like the fact he tries to play football um, gets his teams to play football and uh, yes he has failings yes he has let us down in lots of ways but he's a good football manager. He's well, you know, and unless, you know, yes, we can maybe get Jurgen, get Klopp or get uh, other people, possible Guardiola might be looking for a job after what <laughs> happened yesterday. But um, unless we really go up a gear and get someone phenomenal, uh, or we get, you know, we might end up, if we, you get sort of um, Martinez or someone and it all goes tits, you know, we could get, to get another manager and we're worse off than we are now. Matt, if, yeah. if we finish fourth, we qualify for the Champions League, subject to a qualifying tie, obviously, yeah. but bang, that's £30 million, pounds. that's the mm. big trophy. The one and a half million you get for the FA Cup doesn't count. A Europa League place is irrelevant, so if he loses the FA Cup, it won't really fucking matter, will it? Uh, well, to us it will. I mean, to the, support, the supporters have different expectations to the, to the owner, Stan Kroenke. Stan Kroenke is happy with the season, we're going to finish fourth, he's going to get, the, he's going to get his millions of pounds, so Stan Kroenke is happy with the season. Um, I think we will, we will win the FA Cup and I think that would be a nice time to just move on I don't think Wenger will move on I think I think he'll stay mm. I think, but if he does stay I think he has to up 
he has he has to up the ante. He has to start delivering because who, if Arsenal don't finish fourth, you're talking about a team who is consistently fifth around that that area of the highest revenue football clubs in the world. Mm. If we can't finish our own top four in our domestic league with that kind of revenue, that sh- it should be completely expected that we. That, you know, that's not an achievement for Arsenal unfortunately um, Wenger will be looking at it this way now he'll be looking at the league table and thinking oh we're on what are we 72 points or 70 something 78 I think it is isn't it no no we're not we've got 73 now that was 73 it, that was Liverpool are top with 80 and then there's Chelsea and Man City in between and he'll be saying well we're only a few points okay. off and we've had Ramsey and Ozil not had Ramsey and Ozil being fit well we're probably and if and but and, and maybe and should because we have the, the problem Wenger's failure has always been complete complacency always been this fact always been Alex Ferguson's success has been built on the fact that he always strengthens every year he, 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 he's never happy with what happened the year before he can consistently keeps his people on his toes and get and each United team ends up better now Wendell, will that's exactly what he will do and it's so predictable he will look at this season and go well do you know what we were so better than so much better than last year you know if we won a few games uh, you know we, we would probably win the league so let's just do ex- exactly what we've done before we don't really need to spend that much money they might maybe buy one or two players here and, it, and it's that consistency that will lead to the same well, scenario next season uh, and the season after but in a way I don't disagree with him because I, th- I, I, well, I agree with him because I, 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 I think if we buy two real world class players yeah. three would be nice you know, but if we do build up and we really, really I think when he talked to, when he signed Ozil you know, I think he must have said to him, he must have said, look, I am going to build this squad. The next transfer window, we are going galactic, right? So don't worry, the Galacticos are coming to play with you. I don't think Ozil would have signed otherwise. I mean, you know, you what, what, just because he wants to improve his game. Do you think there's a possibility that Ozil might go in the summer? You're just, no. just looking at body language and... Well, well, well he doesn't so. look that happy, but I've spoken to uh, German friends of mine who have uh, monitored Ozil through... From Vier de Brim and to other teams, and they've they've all said he's just like that. He's just like that. He's yeah. just he's just got that kind but of. Not, he's very shy and he's very you know he's just like that. Wenger went out there in in the uh, in, in the summer and he brought two world class players and it's possible you know, it's possible that team that team can compete, but he has to change his ways more than what he's because the problem is he doesn't prepare for the opposition. He just wants to play his way of football and that is. Playground yeah, Does he have any tactics? N- no, no, it's almost as though you know. I, my players are all professionals. I expect and, them to know what best, to do. You know, you can get away with that when you have the best players in the world. So when you've got Burkamp, Henry, Robert Perez, uh, yeah. Sol Campbell, Freddie Lundberg, when you've got those players, you can go and do that. that you, you can get away with that to a degree. Not in Europe, not in Europe, but in the Premier League, you can. You can win enough games. But when you have a lesser quality of player, which we do right now, it's not going to work. And that's well, why we're getting beat by the, smashed by the big teams. I'll be honest with you, our best team. Uh, I mean, if you look, if Wilshire plays out of his skin, Walcott plays out of his skin, right? And then all the and the rest of the players that we have available, if that team plays out of their skins, they they probably can beat anyone on the day. They've beaten yeah. Bayern Munich. They've beaten, you know, they they can, you know. So, um, but it's it's can and consistently doing it is a different thing. Yeah. Um, so, look. No, uh, Ignore, essentially, ignoring the fact that he's had uh, the, the same uh, coaching staff since 1996, the same fitness regimes, which is clearly at fault. Uh, the fact he says we're going to sign world-class, world-class players every single transfer window, but he doesn't until the last minute when he signs a German midfielder who nobody else in the world wants. As long as we sign two world-class players, we'll be absolutely fine with Wenger. Mr. Witcher, why does anyone want to change in the dugout if it's going to be that easy to solve the problems? Um, because I think the... Um I think the players know that uh, Wenger isn't a winning manager. Um, I think, I mean, it's interesting that someone like Bakary Sander isn't interested in staying. Mm. Um, I think he's the sort of player, a bit like Van Persie, really. Served his time at the club, played wonderfully well, and got very little reward for it uh, in terms of silverware and medals. And players do actually... At the end of their career, that's the sort of thing that they value the most. Okay, it's nice to get all that money, but as a professional, you want to win. You know, you want to. You know, fourth place to be in the Champions League. It's 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 certainly financially very good, but who gives a fuck? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, the players we could sign give a fuck. Uh, it, I mean, what's important? I think the way we've got to look at this yeah, season yeah, is okay, if we one, can win the FA once, Cup. Once, right. once you're in Europe, okay, so you can you can attract a player to the club on the promise and this is coming from a team that's maybe not in the Champions League like Malaga or something I don't know but 
you can get a player in on the basis that they can get the exposure of Champions League football and they'll take that carrot but once they've played two or three seasons and they realise they're not going to win anything and they're good players then suddenly they think well actually I might look somewhere else but look at remember when we we went for a really shit period uh, in the 80s and then we beat Liverpool in the League Cup with George Graham and that was the sort of but I'm trying to look at it like that that if we win the FA Cup now and we're fourth place we've won a trophy we've got rid of that we don't win trophies thing right team starts to believe in itself buy a couple of really big names that uh, Wenger, I think Wenger can still, if he has the right players, is you know, he, I you, think, is, I like think a good team doesn't become a bad team I understand exactly what you're saying, yeah. Basti. The psychological benefit of winning a trophy will yeah. lead to greater things. Yeah. I think there's a big difference between 1987 and 2013. And I think the difference is that, number one, you've got coaches managing teams who are imported from all over the world, who are the best. And the level of um, complexity involved in winning football matches has been upped. It's also a fact that we've got better players now, on average, in in the, the what you, we call it the top flight now, the bloody Premier League first <laughs> division bollocks. Um, and and now, you know, it's more difficult to win games. You did not get matches like Chelsea against Liverpool in the eighties. I don't remember matches like that. It was that. all just Liverpool, wasn't it? Well, no, the point being, the games were more open. Yeah. You had more chances. You didn't have the bus parking, which now goes on. Oh, I see. Because basically, partly because of the money and the importance of winning things financially, in terms of a club's marketing ability, etc., etc., results are everything now. Diving and cheating the referee. Football is actually a much less interesting game than it was in the yeah. 60s and the 70s, mm. when yeah. you had all sorts of teams that could win the league. Burnley won it in the 60s, Ipswich won it in the 60s. So many different teams mm. won it. And it was Spurs a more. Won in the 60s, I mean, that's one of the I'm, ironic I'm, things. I'm, this, this season has actually been more interesting because for once <clears throat> there's been four teams yeah. who have had a genuine interest <clears throat> in winning the title. That's very unusual. It's a long time since that happened. And it's a quirk of fate created by, number one, Liverpool not being in Europe and being able to concentrate their attention on the domestic uh, matches. Mm -hmm. And Chelsea and Manchester City have a new manager who are still bedding in with the players they've got. Uh, it's, it's, so I think it's actually quite unique. I don't think it will happen so much oh, next God season. Man. I think probably... Pellegrini will will improve and less and lose less matches. Mourinho will get a couple of big yeah. players. I think next season it will be Man City and Chelsea, and it'll be back to the old times of just two teams. Well, at least it's not Man United. Yeah. <laughs> well, not at the moment. We'll see when. Yeah, oh, I don't know, but you know, Everton have improved. Tottenham have improved. Yeah, but there's a level which basically there's certain teams who won't lose so many games next season. And I think um, those two teams will be the, the two richest teams. By the way, have I wished you a happy St. Totteringham's Day yet? Not yet. Oh, it. happy St. Totteringham's Day. <laughs> you're, you're two days late, my friend. I know, but, many I, I know, but this podcast today isn't two days ago, is it? I'm doing that for the benefit of Arsenal listeners everywhere. Right. And also, actually, for Tottenham fans too. Happy St. Totteringham's Day to you. Yes. Yes. Not exactly St. Totteringham's Day, excuse me. Kevin made some good points there. Um, Matt, after our last podcast recorded after 6-0 defeat at Stamford Bridge, we then dropped seven points in the next three games against Swansea, Man City and Everton. Yeah. And since then, only three solid wins in the league. Uh, we're only seven points behind uh, lead, leaders Liverpool, albeit with a much inferior goal difference. So uh, are we looking at this season as, as one that got away, or are we just being unrealistic and expecting that much improvement? Well, uh, this, is, this, is, this is the problem is that expectations have been you know at the start of the season if you said oh, Arsenal go fourth and win the FA Cup and everyone would say yeah that's a, great, that's a great season because the expectations have gone down there I think it's a missed opportunity because when I, the last time I did the podcast was before the 2-2 at Southampton and I said that I think we can win the league because I think so far I thought we'd been the best and I said it then I said I think we are the best team because you know, we, we were winning games not looking that great doing it but we were, we were beating the, the lesser teams we're still the team that's been top of the table longer than anyone else this season as was pointed out again yeah. by that Sky commentator I couldn't believe it really a Sky commentator saying nice S- things about Arsenal I've had that stat for 
bloody weeks. <laughs> no, he, he said it, and I was like, oh god, why is he being so nice to us? Like, Sky and ITV generally just Arsenal. He's stolen that from DavidGo.com. We're getting desperate. We're getting, uh, we're getting desperate. We're getting desperate. It's like when England get knocked out of the World Cup, and, we, and, the, and the referee's English. Yeah. The final. Like, oh, the referee's English. That's something to pull back on. You know. Jesus. Uh, but we. Um, I was going to say, oh, looking back in January, I remember, I remember, I remember you here um, after the Southampton game in yeah. the sense that the same team last year and the year before, uh, away at Southampton, the game like that where we didn't turn up properly, we wouldn't have drawn, drawn two each, we would have lost two nil. So but I, th- I think the season there. has, it, it, what you said, it's a season that's got away. I think yeah. it's a season that's got away because, as I pick up on what Kevin was saying, all the other teams are in a sort of transition, aren't they? Where we've been building a team for years and we should be better than what we are. We should have expectations. We shouldn't have low expectations because you've had the same man in charge building a team for a number of years. You know, Liverpool are getting better. Uh, Chelsea will be a hell of a lot stronger next season. This is the first year with Mourinho back. Mm-hmm. Same scenario with Pellegrini. Manchester United have lost the greatest manager in English football history. No doubt about it. There's no argument. Uh, Ferguson is the greatest manager in English football history. So... This was a, this was a lost opportunity. Yeah, it has to be. But, but you mentioned goal difference earlier, yeah. and and that if you look at it, it's we conceded all those. Though that goal difference is made up of six goals scored by Man City and Liverpool and, and Chelsea, and we're the fucking suckers who've taken. Pardon yep, my yep. French, everyone. But we're the ones who we've let in fives and sixes. You know, uh, and that goal difference. You look at you look at the table and you look at the goal difference, and you you can clearly see. You know, there's a that's very unusual for a top team. Now I can't. I mean, for a top team to lose uh, six three five one six nil three yeah. or whatever. And I, um, I mean, I think the psychological damage of those results is is one of the reasons we need to change. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because I think the only way you can change the psychological mindset going into those matches next season is with a new manager, new tactics, new approach. Um, I think the belief has gone. I think the players, the senior players especially, I've actually heard the senior players no longer respect the manager because basically he hasn't prepared them for these matches. I'm not changing your comment at all, but who would count as the senior players? You mean the oldest players or those who have been there the longest like Walcott? Oh, in terms of age, yeah, okay, right, okay. Yeah. The thing is, everyone always put. It, they were, they was uh, asked a question, condescendingly a lot of the time, and they say, "Well, who would you get? Who you, if you if you don't want Wenger, who's going to come in instead?" And I think, well, I think that's an unfair question because we're Arsenal supporters. Mm. I don't know about the rest. There's, there's a hell of a lot of great coaches out there. There's, you know, it's like who the hell was Wenger before he came to Arsenal? But what a fantastic job he did! I'd never heard of Arsene Wenger back mm. in 1996, so it's not our. It's, uh, people say the same about players. Oh, who would you have signed? We're thinking, well, we're Arsenal supporters. We just predominantly watch Arsenal. We don't yeah. really know about managers. Who's what great managers are out there? Um, so I think I, always, I think that's an unfair question. I think it was a mistake for the club to say you have a job for life to Arsenal yeah. Wenger. Yeah. I remember that and thinking, well, you don't know the future. Yeah. You know, what, I mean, it's almost sort of tempting fate saying something like that. Mm. And obviously, listen, there's been the staging change. That's happened. You know, a huge shift has happened in Arsenal. You know, in the in, in the Wenger years, um, but a lot of it is, you know, he's lost a lot of great players as well, and, and probably not replaced them with, the, as you were saying, with the Invincibles. Well, I mean, Arteta for Fabregas. No, well, you, unacceptable. Can I just say something? What's Robin Van Persie going to win this year? <laughs> Hopefully a new right leg. Um, interesting thing. I did some research into Josh Kroenke when he joined the board. Um, when he took over the Denver Nuggets, they'd had a manager in charge. The Denver Nuggets. The Denver Nuggets. The NBA, <laughs> the NBA team owned by the, uh, the Kroenke family. We're um, playing the whole city Nuggets, aren't we? Tiger uh, Nuggets, or whatever they're called. Uh, chicken Nuggets. Uh, Tiger Nuggets. Same, who knows what they're called this week. But um, Josh Kroenke, he'd had the same coach in charge of the Denver Nuggets for about seven or eight years, that kind of thing. That's long term in America. And he got rid of him, even though he was, doing, he was doing quite well, but he felt he was too old for the job. And when he was getting new coaches in, they're being replaced every quarter of a season, every half a season. They couldn't find anyone to fit. That's just something I'm telling you. So we do have stability. Yes, Gent- um, I do have to wind r- up very, very quickly. Uh, but uh, the current issue of the Guna does celebrate the 10th anniversary of the Invincibles. Can we have a very quick Invincibles memory from each of you, starting on my left, Matt? Oh, can I come last? Let me give you a minute. By Matt, I mean Basti. 
Um, I'm going to change that question and just because <laughs> normally we sing a song and I haven't sung one. Oh, okay. What did she wear? She wore, she wore, she wore a yellow ribbon. She wore a yellow ribbon in the merry month of May. And when I asked her why she wore a ribbon, she said it's for the Arsenal and we're going to Wembley. Wembley! Wembley! We're the famous Arsenal and we're going to Wembley. Wembley! Much better than your question. Very, very quick cup final memory, Basti. Any quick cup final time. Alan Sunderland sliding in, scoring the winner against Man United. I went ballistic. Actually, I was done. right up there. I was up the top of the, at Wembley. It was all steep standing then. I was right up the back. And, uh, oh, it was just, oh, that was the day. I'm going back to the Invincibles question. It, okay. was, it wasn't a league game, but it was the same season and it was 5-1 into Milan at the San Siro. I thought that was fu- absolutely fucking brilliant. Uh, Henri's, uh, well, everyone knows Henri's goal in that game. Unbelievable. Kev, 40, 49ers or, the, um, or all the, your favourite cup final memory off the top of your head? Uh, I'll do the Invincibles. Um, Portsmouth away, we'd won the title, we almost gave it up. Yeah. <laughs> it absolutely hammered down with rain before the game. Fortunately, it stopped before the can get cloth, but you couldn't sit in the seats that were so wet, but mm. so it didn't matter, everyone was standing. And the Akubu running through near the end, the score was one all, and Jens, Jens saved the day and <laughs> saved the invincible season, and uh, the game finished as a draw. And uh, that just. I don't know, it just sticks in the mind. Maybe it's the time of year, actually, because I'm, it was around this time. I'm going to go for the double here, having won the FA Cup with Alan Sunderland, Tony Adams, arms stretched out, walking towards the West Stand. That has <laughs> nothing to do with the Invincibles. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. We won the league. <laughs> right, almost time to wrap up, but before we do, a few words about the current issue of the Gooner from Kevin. Well, we have uh, two uh, special sections in there. One of them is celebrating the 10th anniversary of the Invincibles, uh, something like 10 pages worth. I think we've got about seven pages worth of Arsenal in the cup final memories, as well as our, our grounds for concern looking at the old Wembley and memories of that. Uh, additionally, we've got an, an interview with Sol Campbell, uh, five pages worth, um, mm-hmm. you know, reputedly plugging his book, but actually uh, credit to Leif Youssef, who was on the last podcast, for uh, getting to talk about things that weren't in the book and a uh, very good uh, interview to read did he mention the goal the Barcelona goal yes he did he did talk I think about oh, that still um, painful bittersweet memory but uh, and uh, it's a 64 page issue and a season special so it's an extra 50p £3 still cheap in the programme but a hell of a lot of summer reading for you to keep you going through until we all reconvene for the Emirates Cup <laughs> Finally, the usual reminder that if you want to email us about anything related to the podcast, our address is gunapodcast at gmail.com. And with that, it's goodbye from Kevin. Goodbye, everybody. Enjoy. You. Oh, no, we've got one more. Podcast. We have, yeah, we've got the junior. Enjoy the cup final. Mustafa? We hate Chelsea. And Matt? Thanks, guys. Enjoy the cup final. We'll be back at the beginning of June with a post-season podcast, the last one before our annual summer break. So until then, this is your host, David Udo, saying goodbye and thanks for listening. La-di-da-di-da, la-di-da-di-dee, all good friends and jolly good company. Wahey! <laughs>